This is the Omnichannel Marketer, the show where we get real about what it takes to build a brand, create a seamless omnichannel experience, and drive customer LTV across D2C, Amazon, and retail. I'm Kate Stevens, the CEO of Bridge. Join me for unfiltered conversations from the trenches of e-commerce. We'll unpack strategy and leave you with tactical advice you can use today to drive your business forward. Let's rock and roll. Hi, everyone. It's Kate. Welcome back to another episode of the Omnichannel Marketer. I'm excited to have Mike DeSantis on the show today. Mike is a founding member of Canopy, the first beauty-focused humidifier. So, Mike, I'd love for you to actually start there. You know, talk to me about yeah. the beauty positioning, Canopy, the humidifier, you know, how do those all fit together? For sure. Yeah. And thanks for having me on, by the way. I appreciate it. We started working on Canopy. Really, the idea came to Lucas, one of our co-founders, like 10 years ago. Really started working on it in earnest in, in 2018 and 2019. The... The idea really crystallized when Lucas saw his girlfriend maniacally cleaning her humidifier every single week with like white vinegar and Q-tips and uh, was like, that is just not, that is a horrible experience. Why, uh, why is the product made this way? You can definitely make it better. So we started to dig in, like, what are the pain points of existing humidifiers? We found, you know, a number of different things, one being the the cleaning factor, another one being a lot of people use uh, ultrasonic humidifiers, which is where you'll see like a chimney of mist coming out of the top. For those products, you're really supposed to use uh, distilled water, which means you need to go to the grocery store and lug back bottles of distilled water into your apartment. If you live in New York, that's a ridiculous concept that you're going to carry water back and forth all the time. So we wanted to iterate around that and then felt like there were some opportunities for some nice to have features, um, which kind of ended up in our aroma diffusion feature, which we can get to a little bit later. But so we kind of like defined this set of challenges or problems with existing products in the market and then came to the understanding through additional research and really through Lucas's girlfriend that a lot of people use humidifiers as a beauty hack, right? They're adding it into their skincare routine. Every single night, the humidifier is getting filled up. Humidifiers can basically increase efficacy of your skincare products that you're already using. So if you're in investing, you know, in a lot of people's cases, hundreds of dollars a month in in skincare product that you're rubbing on your face, what's the difference if you're going to invest, you know, a little bit of money into a humidifier that just becomes part of your routine and is relatively low cost as it relates to everything else? It can help reduce fine lines, wrinkles, et cetera. And then all the traditional benefits of a humidifier, right? A lot of people think about a humidifier as like, I got sick and my parents put it in my bedroom when I was a kid, or I have allergies and it helps me. So once we kind of like uncovered that additional layer of like, oh, healthy skin's best kept secret, that was really when we got super excited. We're like, okay, we can take this legacy appliance product and reposition it in the beauty wellness space. Um, and that's kind of the ethos of the Canopy brand, right? Any Anything that Canopy does ladders up into that North Star of we want to make sure that the, the products that we're releasing are kind of towards a, a greater mission of like in-home health, beauty, wellness, those types of things. So that's kind of the, the inception story of Canopy. And what is your specific role on the team? You know, what's a little bit of your personal background and, you know, how that translates into where you spend your time with Canopy? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess like rolling the clock back a little bit pre-Canopy yes. got started in D2C in 2016 at a company called Raiden, which is a was was a luggage startup that was competitive with Away. That's where I met Justin, one of our co-founders. After Raiden, I, I went into a couple of different branding agencies worked in-house there on strategy, visual identity, and then kind of the web experience. And Justin and I had always stayed in touch and kind of reconnected in 2019. And I got brought on to, 
as a contractor, actually, to help pull together kind of an initial strategy, visual identity strategy, and kind of did those things and ended up joining the team full time pretty shortly thereafter that that kind of first round of work. And at the end of the day, it was four of us working on on the company, three of us, myself, Justin and Lucas, spending part of our time on on Doris Dev as well, right? So we were kind of split between two things. My role became primarily like diligencing and finding the appropriate teams to execute on narrow and specific tasks for the business. Um, so what that led to at the end of the day meant I set up the CX team and ran the CX team for about 10 months post-launch. I set up all of our digital marketing support up front. So performance marketing, uh, paid search, social, SEO, email, and SMS. So brought in uh, contractors to, to execute on those things. I managed that full-time until we brought on our director of growth. And then I also did all of the web experience. So managing the e-com experience right now, I'm primarily focused on e-com as we've hired in other people to, you know, do the things that I was doing fractionally as the business started to grow. So right now, my my primary focus is in kind of the overall digital experience of the brand and, and all, what all of those touch points look like, as well as supporting strategically on the marketing side of things. Okay. And so, you know, talk to me about where Canopy launched first. It, was it primarily, you know, entirely D2C? That was at your first channel? Yeah, we, we knew we were going to go omni-channel pretty quickly. I think that at the end of the day, right, you can position a brand however you want. You can say you're a beauty wellness humidifier, but like what credibility do we have to claim that? And so we knew that like we're going to launch D2C, we're going to have a, a digital flagship, but we need to go omni-channel pretty much immediately. So we launched on uh, just on getcanopy.co in October of 2020. But while we did that, we were parallel pathing a relationship with Violet Gray, who is the first retail partner that we had. If you don't know what Violet Gray is, it's it's kind of like a boutique beauty retailer that has, you know, a lot of clout in the space and, you know, helps lend, lend credibility to kind of early stage brands that are kind of trying to break into that world. And since then, We've launched in Nordstrom, Anthropology, Fora, amongst a, a handful of other retail partners. And I mean, even now, you know, with the the rollout of things like Jetty and Canal and the the new Shopify tool, we're also selling on other D2C brand sites who, you know, are interested in building a bit more of a marketplace as opposed to being, you know, just owned product. And so what does your channel breakdown look like right now? You know, especially as you're expanding across retail, you know, what do you expect that to be in the future? Yeah, I mean, right now we're still primarily D2C. I'll say we've brought on someone to head up all of our retail initiatives as it's continued to become a bigger and bigger part of the business. At the end of the day, I'm going to give a shout out to Chaz Flexman because I saw him write this on LinkedIn the other day, but it was something along the lines of like, you know, you you build your brand on your site and you build your business in retail. So I think over time, we're going to continue to expand into retail and like, you know, would love to see our D2C business be dwarfed by the retail business at the end of the day. But right now we're still primarily D2C, I would say in the 90% range as far as D2C goes. And, you know, as you're choosing your retail channels, how do you, you know, how do you think about selecting those partners? And then also, how are you supporting those partners, like what are other ways that you're looking to make sure that you're successful, you know, when you enter these retail channels? Yeah, I mean, I think different retailers come with different expectations, requirements and like effort that you're going to want to put into them as a brand, right? And, and I also think you need to be strategic about how you want to roll out your retail strategy at the end of the day, right? There, there are marquee places to be in like a Sephora. And, 
you're going to put additional time, energy, and effort into that relationship. You're going to drive traffic directly to Sephora's website to help support the brand grow, you know, inside of that retailer because growth inside of that retailer can lead to, you know, a, a ton of knock-on effects that are super positive for the brand. For partnering with other D2C brands and like launching on their website, we're not necessarily doing a ton of activation around that. Maybe we did a partnership with them in the past or, or a giveaway or something so that there's like a little bit of a pot sweetener there, but it's nothing, you know, too crazy. We're not making a huge internal investment. But for the Sephora's of the world or the Nordstrom's of the world or the Anthropologies of the world, we are implementing different strategies to make sure Blue Mercury is actually another one to like where we're in store and we're implementing additional strategies to try and get people actually into the the actual store itself. We are going to be experimenting with even like geofencing certain stores, collecting mobile ad IDs on that front and driving, like retargeting those people to go back into the store and potentially purchase there. So it's it's all, you know, depending on, you know, what our marketing budget looks like on any given month. Are we in peak season? How do we want to invest into these types of relationships? But I would say that rollout is key and like picking which retailers you want to really double down on first before just trying to get into as many different retailers.com or doors as possible is is kind of the prerogative as uh, as far as we're concerned. So I am super interested in kind of that geofencing idea on the mobile side. What are some other tactics you have that you've either employed or you want to try and test around, you know, driving that retail velocity? Yeah, I mean, as far as outside of that, I'll say it's primarily been like tapping into traditional digital ad channels, right? And and just driving traffic to those websites, driving impressions to to our page, whatever that looks like. As far as like additional edges digitally, it's it's hard to say. We've definitely like hosted events in conjunction with retail launches. I think that those are a little bit like less tangible, less easy to track. I think that as you get, as you scale your brand and you get to a certain point, you're going to start to invest in brand marketing that doesn't necessarily have the same type of performance related ROI. You know, the tactics that you're going to be implementing really early on, like are all dollars and cents related, right? So We've definitely started to carve out budgets to do those types of activations to kind of help try and drive traffic to retail, however that looks. And then, you know, over time, as as retail expands, definitely like building out relationships and investing in like meaningful store build outs as opposed to just like having a canopy box in a store. And, you know, I think it, it changes depending on the type of product you have. Canopy is a big product at the end of the day, right? Like it takes up a lot of space in retail. So also being strategic about that as far as product roadmapping goes and making sure that we have product that is appropriately sized to be able to be, fit in any type of retailer. Because if you think about the Sephora shelves, right? Like you can fit a lot of skincare product in the size of one humidifier. So, you know, being strategic around those things is also relevant as far as like where we're investing to try and create additional surface area for Canopy inside of any of these retail locations. So maybe not necessarily a marketing tactic, but more like a merchandising tactic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it, I, I have a Canopy humidifier, so it there's it does take up more space than, you know, just your face lotion. So I understand that. The, the Sephora shelves are, are packed. Talk to me about how Canopy thinks about the end-to-end consumer experience, because I think that you've been really thoughtful, um, you know, even as it relates to the product, how it's constructed, the different consumer touch points. You know, talk, talk me through that and how you guys thought about that. 
Yeah. So we, we always knew that we wanted any brand that we wanted to launch, we wanted there to be a subscription component tied to it. I think that the world of acquire a customer that has a one-time relationship with you and then leaves is well behind us. The way that we really thought about it as well is we would love to have a need to have and a nice to have component to subscriptions, right? So some optionality on that front. What that means for Canopy is we have a filter subscription, which the filter, you need to have the filter in the humidifier for the humidifier to work. That humidifier degrades over the course of, you know, four to eight weeks, six weeks on average. And something like 85 to 90% of our customers are signing up for some type of subscription, whether it's the filter only subscription or our nice to have subscription, which is a filter plus aroma subscription. The filter plus aroma subscription is a really nice lever from a brand perspective because we get to use it as an opportunity to do partnerships with other brands in, you know, adjacent spaces that, that, you know, we have something in common with, whether that be a focus on beauty, health and wellness, or whether it be, you know, they have an aesthetic design and, and have a similar customer base, but it creates a really interesting co-marketing opportunity. For us, it creates a really interesting surprise and delight moment for our customers, which they really like to experience. And so, so I think that those like those two ongoing touch points are a really nice piece of the puzzle. And, you know, over time, the nice part about having a higher price, nice to have subscription with the filter plus aroma sub is if somebody doesn't want to pay $25 every six weeks, they can just drop down to a $10 every six weeks subscription. We're not even hitting your credit card bill every month too. So I think it tends to make the subscription experience a little bit stickier versus every 30 days getting charged for something. That's more of a hunch than it is borne out in data, to be fair. But um, I like to I like to hang my hat on that one. And then as a result of that, right, we have a meaningful retention strategy baked in. We brought on a full time retention manager last summer. So she's been with us you know, maybe nine nine or 10 months at this point. The primary goal there is we need to make sure that we are nurturing this relationship with the customer base over a long period of time, right? So whether that is nurturing a customer base that maybe they didn't even subscribe, but they're still coming back to us for one-time purchases and making sure that that is easily facilitated and we're, we're in front of them and we're top of mind on that front. We've very recently made a transition over to Attentive. We were, we, we were using a different service previously, but in that switch over to Attentive, we've really like beefed up kind of that type of communication SMS using it as like a canopy VIP lever, right? So giving our SMS list this additional insight and whether that's like potentially product testing or just like, hey, we're running a promo and you guys get first dibs on it. And as the brand has grown, we've done a bunch of limited edition product drops now where it's like, hey, we have a special color. And we've found on a couple of these occasions, we're selling out within 48 hours. And the SMS list eats first, right? So like, that's a really interesting touch point, particularly for the customers that genuinely care about Canopy that are, you know, biggest evangelists. Even on attribution survey side of things, it's been really interesting to understand that the number one reason that somebody checks out on our site is word of mouth, at least as far as our attribution survey goes, whether or not that's that's completely true or not, who knows, but it's still a really interesting point to note because obvious somebody's telling them about us and you're only going to tell people about a brand if all of those other touch points that we've lined up after that initial product experience is beneficial, valuable, whatever, however you want to describe it. And then at the end of the day, too, like we really think that retention, and this is definitely a function of the relationship with Doris Dev, starts with good product, right? Like if you have good product, people are going to continue to come back to you. So it's like building that community, that trust, and like having good product are, are kind of the three key pieces. And then having 
valuable touch points post purchase um, to keep people interested, I think is a good way for to think about it. On the word of mouth piece, my group of girlfriends chat. Someone was like, I need a humidifier. Someone else was like, I love my canopy humidifier. They were like, how do I clean it? That someone was like, this is literally why I chose the canopy. It's super easy to the dishwasher. I had my own experience with the canopy replacing the filter this weekend. You know, scan the QR code to see how to do so. Really easy, beautiful touch point. So, I, you know, I think that that product led, you know, really thinking about the end-to-end consumer experience definitely resonates and is equating to that word of mouth that, you know, I've seen in my own personal use. For sure. Yeah. I mean, and and digging a little deeper into that, right? Like as far as like Canopy's integration with Bridgios, there's a number of different touch points there. One, like on the retail, going back to the retail side of things, like leveraging like a warranty sign up or something along those lines to build, to continue to like gather that information from those customers, that PII that we're not able to get as a function of going through, like selling to them directly through retail, particularly because you can't sign up for a subscription from those retailers or just immediately upselling them into some type of subscription through those QR codes. The other thing that, you know, could be an interesting lever for us to pull at some point in the future is like figuring out some sort of rebate opportunity to then sign up for the subscriptions where we're essentially like giving people a couple of subscriptions free Mm -hmm. um, if they bought through retail And then, you know, not necessarily like taking those customers away from our retailers, but we're much better suited to be able to facilitate the replenishment piece than any other retailers are ever going to be. So it's, you know, at the end of the day, if if you want to go buy the physical canopy products from the retailer and then come back to us for any of the replenishment pieces, then great, like totally, totally happy to do that. And then on the aroma piece too, um, we've like implemented QR codes on the actual bottles themselves, which... Some people, I and I understand why, like some people don't love the surprise and delight moment of the filter plus aroma subscription, right? They, they're they are like, I know what scents I like. I want those scents every single time. And if you sign up for our subscription, we're going to send you what we have lined up next, right? There's no, we don't currently have the ability to, to give customers the optionality in the subscription piece. Whereas if they scan a QR code on one of our aroma bottles or on one of our aroma pucks, of the scent that they really like, they can just go buy that pretty much immediately, which is a nice piece of the puzzle. So talk to me about what's next for Canopy. What's next for Canopy? We have a lot of stuff coming down the pipe as far as one, I'll say macro site upgrades, which I'm very excited about. So that'll be a really fun push. I think that, you know, we we did a meaningful level up of the site in 2021 from the initial site that we launched with. And we're kind of at this inflection point where there's a lot of meat on the bone as far as how we can make the overall site experience better and the user experience better and the user journeys better. So really excited about that. What that means is bringing on new team members. So we're in the middle of a hiring sprint, which is really exciting. And we have at least two, maybe three new products in the pipe for 2023. So that's very exciting. Could you share any numbers about, you know, volumes that you're selling or just, you know, show how Canopy has grown over, you know, since launch? Yeah. Today we have a little over 50,000 subscribers, which is really exciting. I think we've shipped over a quarter million filters at this point, which is crazy to think about. And yeah, I mean, I want to say close to 100,000 devices in people's hands at this point as well. So it's kind of cool. I mean, I love stories like you just told, you know, Oh, my friend, I was in a group chat and somebody said they love their canopy. The other day, my buddy sent me a picture of a canopy box in the lobby of his building. And I'm like, 
I love this. This is, mm-hmm. this is awesome. So yeah, I think exciting stuff on, on those sides of things. And, you know, at the end of the day, all this is a function of as, as far as we're concerned or maybe just me, but I think as far as we're concerned in general is like product market fit is key is the key, right? At the end of the day, we've defined clear pain points. We've found a customer base that these pain points really resonate with. And, you know, beyond the beauty and wellness customer, we have a huge cohort of new and expecting parents that purchase from us. Right. And like, to be fair, there's, that's a pretty overlapping concentric circle in a lot of ways, but, um, you know, there are different ways in, right. And it's different, different parts of your life. Like you, you might find touch points that, that can be irrelevant to. And fortunately, a lot of the messaging can be similar because the benefits are relevant to, to all the different cohorts that we have uh, of customers. Speaking from experience as the target customer, the like skin beauty focused female who then has a child and gets a humidifier for their baby. Uh, yeah. So I understand how those are overlapping, but then like growing cohorts. Okay. Yeah. Lightning round. Okay. So just, you know, going to ask you a couple of your favorite things. Favorite yeah. omni-channel brand other than Canopy? Soft Surfaces. Okay. Love them. Thing you wish you could change about our industry? Uh, CPMs. Mm. Favorite podcast? Right now, it's Compound and Friends because although I quit finance many years ago, I can't not be interested. It's a great markets podcast that is only out once a week and very digestible. Hmm. I'll have to check it out. I'm an ex-finance person myself. So uh, favorite newsletter? Favorite newsletter? It's probably got to be Sharma's. Got to give him the shout out. That's a good one. Favorite social media channel? Reddit. I'm the anti-social media person. I think that some people would even bristle at me calling Reddit social media, but it's Reddit. Favorite book? Recently, it's Build by Tony Fidel. Oh my gosh, Uh, I'm reading that literally right this second. Love it. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a legend. He builds incredible products, so. Favorite event you're planning on going to this year? South by Southwest. I'm very excited about that. Haven't been. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Mike. Really enjoyed the conversation. It was so much fun having you. Thanks for having me, Kate. If you liked this podcast, follow me and the Bridge page on LinkedIn and Twitter for hot takes and tactical advice. If you really loved today's episode, we'd love a review on the podcasting platform of your choice, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks for listening.